and you're welcome to a very special wade in yes folks that's right it's a boxing special tony butterbean calvin against dave i crashed the queen's funeral if it means i get my face on tv yes it's the fight that all racing fans want to see dear listeners we are going to make it happen the crank versus the camera file bald versus ginger and all for the heavyweight racing journalist of the year belts who wouldn't want to see this tc how are you You'd be in Team Ginger as well, wouldn't you? God. Absolutely, absolutely. We got, we got to stick together, pal. I'm with Team yeah. Ginger against the Butterbean Ball Cavern. What's the story? What's the story here? What's going on? What's going it's on? It's a lot of fuss about nothing, isn't it? Basically, myself and Dave Yates, uh, we don't rate each other professionally, personally, or any level whatsoever. <laughs> and, and it's gone. And it's gone back. It goes back years. I mean, like, like yeah. I said, I, I, like, I just don't rate him as a broadcaster, a journalist. <laughs> Yeah. An individual, a person, yeah. a man. And so basically, we've had a few run-ins down the years. And after we did the presentation on after the tip Betfair Tingle Creek, it was obviously he was lingering. And I saw him in the corner of my eye when I was doing the presentation. He's obviously working himself up, but he and he came up to me after after it was all gone. Ke- I think Kev was standing next to me still. They went to give you a hug or something, I heard. Uh, he came flowers, up to no? him, and everyone's seen the video uh, on Twitter. He came up and John Hunt obviously stage it uh, stage did a stage left and so he came up to me and he called me something not unfamiliar to uh john hunt's name <laughs> totally out of the blue he just said i think you're a total blah 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 and john you know, hunt. yeah yeah a total john hunt and um so and he just progressed from there but you know everyone's just like getting worked up about it i, I have more respect for him now than i did before right from a base level uh, but he came up and, and said what he thought of me. So I, I have more respect for someone who does that and speaks behind the back. And obviously, it progressed a bit from there. And, you know, no, it was no raised voices, but it was just a, a prolonged, um, expletive-driven conversation. But uh, yeah, I've got no, pro- I've got no problem with it whatsoever. So like I yeah, said, yeah. it was all blown out of all proportion. I, like I say, I, I like people who come up and, and say things yeah. uh, to people to people's person. But what, what I did object to was a couple of things. Um, the timing of it uh, was was not great. He, he did it in front of a, he did it in a paddock. It was still had plenty of people in there. Um, he must have known the racing TV cameras were looking towards that. So. That's the only reason he did it at that time, Tony, for Christ. Have you seen the man's work? Over that? That's the only yeah. reason you did it. Was well, like is it and, and I just thought, you know, it's, it's on the back of a real feel-good story, Brian and Frost, uh, and, he, and he makes it, you know, he, he picks that moment to come and have a hot when I've been in the, we've been in the press room since 9.30 on and off onwards. And I did look, it's, look, it's been blown out of all proportion. He said his piece, that's great. But what I, what I did object to the second part is he seems to, he seemed to thought he was representing the press room by calling me a, uh, what he did on various occasions. No, you know, I gave it, I gave it to him back as well. So yeah, like I said, it's, it's all done and dusted. It's, it's, okay. There's no big story behind it. We just loathe each other. Kev, racing only better on Friday at Sandown. Obviously, I was going to be, I was like really good not to be there, lads. The first chance to meet uh, the five people who listen to the podcast. I believe they were all there, Kevin. So that's a nice start. Um, but you had good fun. <laughs> we did. It was good fun. Yeah, it's always fun to do these things. You know, you meet the, the hardcore audience that turn up, and um, it was great fun. You know, you, you you always feed off a bit of an audience when you have them there, and uh, hopefully, it's the first one of Manny, and we might be able to get you for the next one, Hugh. But uh, well, Nick, but we'll be there if you don't turn up. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, I'll only go if Vanessa agrees to go. How about that? Vanessa, you over it? I've told you, it's a no already, Hugh. Just move <laughs> on, okay? If, what if I buy the drinks, Vanessa? What if I buy the drinks? <laughs> oh, well, that changes it all together. Okay. That changes right. it all okay. together. Sorry. Okay. I heard that you were very tight. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> TCC putting out rumors about me again. That's just terrible. That's just terrible. Uh, right, listen, guys. No, yeah, look, I mean, look, I believe it's a great day. It was a great weekend of racing. Um, I promise to try and be at the next racing only better live that we do, and hopefully not too far away. But we have a lot of racing to talk about, guys, and the clock is against us because we don't like to ramble on for three hours. So the first off on Saturday, we've got to talk about granitine. And Kev, you can kick us off here because in the week that was with Briny Frost, um, I guess the the details that emerged across several media outlets about the case involving Robbie Dunn, um, a lot of it, I have to say, really took me aback, which we might get into in a couple of minutes' time. But for her to go and do what she did on board Granatine for Paul Nichols, I thought was a wonderful end to the week for what must have been a difficult week for her. 
Well, that's it. Just, you know, a difficult week. I think that sums it up. You know, she had to give evidence, etc. It was clearly difficult to do it. Um, and just the stress leading up to a case like that, the nature of it, etc. Um, and we know it's been well established. Brian, he hasn't been as active. You know, she hasn't been getting as many rides um, in the last couple of months with this hanging over her. So for her to go and, and nail one of the biggest races of the year um, on a on grenatine for her boss, you know, a horse that, that drifted remarkably the whole way through the <laughs> mm. day um, and to, to go and deliver and a one-two for Paul Nichols as well. So um, it was great to be there now because the, the reception that Bryony got was something else. And, you know, it was, it's been one of those cases, you I think, there's never been any doubt that, that you know, the public have been behind Bryony um, in this situation. And I think they, they really did show it um, at Sandown, you know, on the walkway and the way back in, you know, when she got to the winner's enclosure, you know, the three cheers went up and there's various kind of messages of support being shouted out from over the rails to her. And it clearly meant an awful lot to her and, and those people around her too. So um, in terms of a kind of a feel good, appropriate result with, with all that's going on in the, the wider picture, um, you couldn't have written that um, any more um, romantically, I suppose. No, I, and Vanessa, um, I think six to one granting now for the champion chase. And when you factor in, I, I suppose, how poorly Shaq and Bersois ran and the fact that if you look at his English track record it's actually not very good I can understand why the price kind of contracted so much and as Kevin said there all the public seem to be behind Bryony Frost and yet none of the way room which again I don't know what it says about the racing industry and the people in the way room maybe we can draw our own conclusions but what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Uh, well, magic result goes without saying. Kevin's kind mm. of covered all the bases there on that front. I wasn't there, but even just watching it on television, it felt electric watching it. And it was one of those moments where it's just like, you couldn't have written it really. Like everything, the whole story, you know, the week that she's had and then riding in the race, the ride she got in the race, the way it drifted and then the way in which it won and Shakan bombing out the way he did. He's just a flat track bully, isn't he? Um, yep. But yep. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think I agree with you now. I think I agree with you now. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to think that. Yeah, but no, it was a magic result. The one thing I would like to point out away from Brian, only because Kevin's covered all the points, I just echo what he said. I don't want to repeat it, but uh, just for Paul Nichols, I know everyone knows he's pretty, he's the best trainer in the country, but time and time again, his target training with a horse is unreal. Mm. The way Granatine in the Tingle Creek, Frodon over in Ireland, those are just two examples in the last few weeks where Paul has set his stall out. I'm not talking weeks, I'm talking months in advance, even thinking 12 months beforehand where a horse might go and have his big day in the sun. And with horses like that, I just think... It, it goes unnoticed because he does it. No, not unnoticed. It goes unapplauded because he does it time and time again. But every time I just think he is head and shoulders above 99.9% .9 of trainers, Paul Nichols. Yeah. This horse he was talking about this morning about Grenatine's improvement and the way in which he's taking his work and so they can get him fitter, they can give him more work and they had him bang on the day. But a bit like Frodon at Down Royal, it's their Olympics, isn't it? They're coming for their gold cup th th these days. And they just deliver time and time again. And so when he, when Paul says it in his Betfair block that this is his, you know, this is his big day, mm. it just, I can't believe how much he drifted on the back of the comments leading up to the race, really. And this record at Sandown as well. I just couldn't applaud Paul Nichols more. He's uh, head and tail, head and shoulders above every everyone yeah. else in my eyes. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, and the other side of this story, of course, is that Shishkin, by not being there, has done his cause with the champion case, champion chase, a world of good. Tony Calvin, would you like to apologize? to Nicky Henderson now on the record while you have a chance for berating him Shishkin's not right he did the right thing didn't he you don't, yeah. want to don't want to ruin a horse for life does he ruin him for life never, never seen a trainer happier yeah. to report for a, life. a bad scope yeah. no like I said it's, the story had many strands to it obviously the, the feel good factor of Bryony winning was, was great um, yeah you know Vanessa and Kevin have, have covered that as for the, the drift on the horse was just absolutely just monumental. I mean, I know people who were backing it 11 to 4 on, on Tuesday morning. Mm. Uh, they drifted out to 12 to 1. A lot of a lot of people kind of get the wrong idea of drifts. I mean, obviously, when you've got a five-runner race and the favourite Shaq Ambrosoir has been back from 10 to 11 to 4 to 7, everything else in the race has to drift, and, and it did. Um, so that's that's obviously part of the drift. But, yeah, it was it was a, just a colossal walk in the market. Shaq Ampersois, I'm I'm reliably informed. Um, 
they may have found a physical problem with him after the race. Really? Um, That's a relief, to be honest with you. I'm a huge fan of his, yeah, so I'm delighted they have found something wrong. I, said, I said to someone immediately after the race, I said, at least it ran no kind of race, so therefore it's not kind of like mildly yeah. underperforming. At least it was kind of like the too bad to protrude scenario where, you know, you, you know something must be wrong for a horse to run, to run that badly. But I think a lot of, thing, a lot of um, analysis has got lost here. I mean, I thought Paul actually bringing Hitman to finish second in the race, and he would have finished a, a fair bit closer if he hadn't hit the second last. Because if you go back and look at the video, Hitman and Grenatine were were neck and neck, and they were still travelling pretty much the same. Didn't he? Didn't he mention Hitman first in his after race comments because he, yeah. he was so impressed by the run? Yeah. I, I saw that. Yeah. Interview. yeah, it was great. But yeah. um, I mean, he he was coming from an even lower level than Grenatine, a much lower level. Um, Grenity for, for him to step up that horse to, to finish second there, and he would have finished at least two or three lengths closer had he not made that mistake two out. Um, yeah, and that's another testament to his to his target training because obviously he clearly fancied that as, as much as Grenatine, and you know, there was nothing between him in the betting. But yeah, it's um yeah, it was, it, I, was just, it was just a great race. Can I ask you all on the spot? I know it's on the spot because I'm but like if I'm giving you a champion chase horse now based on a Nergamine's win today. In Cork, based on Jacques and Bersois, um, the poor run, and, and obviously Granatine, um, Ashishkin not running at all today nearly maybe enhanced his case. If I'm giving you a, a free £10 bet now for the champion chase, who is your money on, Kev? Can I ask you first? Um, I, I want to talk about an argument because I, right. I was really, really impressed with him, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's my champion chase horse. He, he was the performance of the day today. I thought he was really, brilliant. really. Yeah. He notebook went to spoil him from, from an early stage and notebook is a good horse and they probably went quicker than ideal. Um, and Ergamine's jumping was very, very good. And he, uh, I saw someone tweet after the race, notebook's going to need a lung transplant after that. <laughs> and he, just, he was completely goose tree out. And you're kind of going, oh, oh, there's a couple of good horses coming after an Ergamine here, having been out of the heat of the race much longer than, than an Ergamine was in it. And he was still the strongest horse up the run in. You know, I thought he was very, very good. When he goes to Cheltenham, he'll have a couple of little doubts or, or concerns about him. I, to me, he's always looked better going right handed. Um, I just want to see him produce just as good a performance going left handed, um, undulating track. Um, you know, better ground. These are all little little queries that I would have had about an argument if he got to Cheltenham um, last March. So they'll probably remain until he goes and shows them to be to be nothing to worry about. But he was he was deeply impressive today. I thought. No, I mean three to one from uh, seven to two for the champion chase. And I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, he'd be my horse at the moment. Um, Vanessa, if I gave you one for the champion chase now, would just Granatine come into it? Six to one is maybe a little bit short now. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, six to one uh, probably is a touch short, I guess. Uh, you know, it's sort of quite telling the way that Paul sort of compared him to dodging bullets because he's got that kind of improving mm. profile. He probably shouldn't win a champion chase. I don't think he will win a champion chase, but my God, with Paul Nichols, he may well win a bloody champion chase and we'll all be, it's be like a sort of dodging bullets type profile, I think it's fair to say. Um, but for me, I'd stick with Shishkin at this stage. I know we might not even see him until the festival, but uh, <laughs> at this stage, you know, I was a, a, a huge Shishkin fan last year. I'm not going to abandon him now just because of what's happening happened in the last few weeks leading up to the Tingle Creek and uh, I still think he could be a class apart above the likes of Shakan at Cheltenham and also like Grenatine as for an argument Kevin has rattled through that is I thought his jumping today is terrifyingly fast I mean he's sort of like the way you can get from one side of a chase fence to another, you rarely see a horse get from A to B as fast as he gets. Um, but I'd like, as Kevin said, you know, I'd like to see him do it around Cheltenham. So on that basis, I'd just stick with Shishkin. What price is he at the moment? Uh, Shishkin, uh, I actually, I'll double check when I come back. He's, to around, he's around about twos on the exchange, three or five. Yeah, still bloody really sure, isn't it? But anyway, yeah. I'd stick with him. Two to, one, with him. two to one Shishkin, three to one in Ergamine. I look, there's a point between them. Uh, TC, if I gave you a bet now, where is your money gone? Uh, probably Shiskin. Uh, I think yeah. that I think that 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 win at the festival last year has, has worked out really really well. He, you know, mm. he, you know, he he could be very good. But we should mention. Did you see that the video that Sandown Park put out about Paul Nichols yeah, watching yeah. the race or not watching the race? That is absolute gold dust, isn't it? I mean, that, <laughs> I missed that. Oh no! Oh, go know? back. Go and have a look at it. It's basically. Okay. 
he wants to watch the race, but he stops watching the race. He goes around the back of some some um, wall so he doesn't watch it, and then he's looking down. He's and he's shouting. He's listening, he's listening to the commentary. He can't yeah. look. He's listening to the commentary. Wow. <laughs> wow. Honestly, you go and see it. It's, it's superb. I mean, any any time I go racing now, and it's a big race, uh, and he's got one in the big race, I'm not going to watch the race. I'm just going to go and watch him. Watch him. <laughs> I don't want to. I, I mean, I've already praised Paul Nichols, and he doesn't need my praise. And you guys love everyone. You know, he doesn't yeah. need me to say it. But what I just I'm always taken with with him, other than the target trainer point I've already made. Yeah. But also, is his passion for the game is unrelenting, and you yeah. see it in that video. How much he cares, you know. And when you go down to his yard, if you're lucky enough to go down to Ditchy and see how that operation works, his mind I can't get over. And every, last time I went there, we went down with uh, Mick Fitzgerald to do a feature for Sky, mm. and I I remember distinctly I got in my car and I was like, my God. If you can be as passionate about anything in life as he is about horse racing, you'll be a success because he is just obsessed with the intricate detail of every single horse. And then when you see him watching a race or not watching a race, as that video shows, it just hits home again. The guy, his passion is unrelenting. I, I used to, uh, I used to, I don't do it now, but I used to <clears throat> go write his column for Betfair, um, you know, a few years back. And used to go down there quite a lot. Uh, and sometimes, if your horse runs badly, he would literally get up at four o'clock in the uh, in the wake up at four o'clock in the morning, sit on the end of the bed, and just work out what's going wrong and stuff like that. But uh, you can't underestimate uh, the role that Clifford Baker uh, does there. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's there basically fifty-one, or if not fifty-two weeks a year. He's always first up at half five. He, you know, sorts out all the feed and stuff like that. Nichols is not far behind him. He's up. He's up three hours after you, TC. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Lions, lions for you. He's a bit of a slacker, isn't he? Getting up at half slacker, five, isn't he? Yeah. It? Half five. I mean, yeah. the whole day's wasted. What are you doing? Well, he, he just seems. Um, like, he just seems to have a, a great team around him, and uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, Kev, what did you make of Edward Stone um, for the article in terms of novice chase? We go from um, open chasers to novice chasers. Edward Stone was um, very impressive for a lot of people. I think 10s and 33s. And congratulations, by the way, for putting you up in the pot. I think yourself and Dan were in mutual agreement there, taking on the Fav, third time lucky, who I thought Mr. Skelton got a bit of a rough time again for going for home so early. I'm not sure if you're trying to make all, but what was your thought about it? Yeah, look, the, the, I suppose the hope in tipping him was that he'd just be his efficiency compared to third time lucky might be the difference maker. And I think that that was probably true to an extent. I didn't expect um, Harry to make the running on third time lucky, but I thought it was where to go. Look, you always get Did sick you? When, you, when you try yeah, something he, different and it doesn't work. But I, I thought it was where to go because, look, he's a very, very free going horse. Always has been and they've always been in a battle with him to try to get him to drop it and try to get him to, to to race efficiently and look sometimes with horses like that they've tried a long long time to try and get him to do things the right way it hasn't really been working his first two starts over fences he jumped his way to the front pretty much at halfway so it was definitely where to go see if he'll relax in front um he didn't jump as well um i think that that was his main issue you know, it wasn't so much racing inefficiently. Is that under the different riding riding style, he didn't jump as well, and um, and he was goosed a little way out. And Edward Stone, we you know followed, jumped efficiently, travelled efficiently, and was very very strong late on. So, um, look, he he was a better herder than third time lucky. This wasn't a ball from the blue. Um, he's two from two completed starts over fences now, and like in terms of English novice chasers, um, he has to be bang up there. I think it's fair to say. Um, um greater challenges await, obviously, but um, I, you'd have to really like his last two in particular, and uh, he's a nice one to look forward to. And a word, um, I guess for Gordon Elliott as well. I think he had seven at Navan on Saturday, at Vanessa, which I don't know, maybe got lost because of the the big stories from the day that was on Saturday. Um, but Riviera, de, um, his horse for the arc as well, Riviera de Tell, I think is in around about 12 to 1 now um, as well. So two, two very good novice chases that, that kind of gave us a picture towards the article on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Edward Stone, I, I feel a little bit like the rate that race, well, it did just kind of fall apart because of uh, third time lucky blowing his load a bit too early. Mm. But in terms of... Do any hoo cattle as it's known in the business. Which, wow, that's, that's what you okay, said. Can, we, can we cut this out? My <laughs> reputation is in tatters. Even in Dubai here, nobody wants to know about me. It's just... 
Anyway, if, that's if, a if you're thing. struggling there, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of cash, pal. Out of cash. Vanessa, where you the money? Where you the money? And then in terms of Rumia to tell, I mean, she just keeps making hay whilst the sun shines, doesn't she? With her, all the allowances she's getting, and it's pretty class going in terms of how they're just they're they're make, yeah they are making much use of them now. And I, am I supposed to be laughing at our WhatsApp group? Yes. Yeah. No, I'm not even looking at it now because because yeah. I you know what I mean. Yeah. Courting's going yeah. well. Courting's going well. Send more Bye. money. Come, children. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so Edward Stone. Okay, so Edward Stone, maybe a race fell apart, but Riviera Destiny. What, what was your view of the article? I guess those two horses in particular, TZ, if I if I said to you, Vanessa's case that Edward Stone, the race fell apart a little bit, I mean, would you be yeah. more impressed by Gordon's horse or how do you see it? How do you see it? Uh, no, I, I, like, I like Edward Stone. I don't think we'd learn more about... Uh, uh, Gordon's mm-hmm. mare winning at uh, fours on there, didn't we? Uh, but you know, she's been very impressive in, in free starts, and obviously, you know, they've got uh, the mare's chase option for her as well, haven't they? Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Edward Stone was very impressive. Um, yeah, I, I, I would be signing with Alan King's horse for sure. Uh, Jinta was scratched from um, Nav on the last day, Kev, when two of Gordon's horses were due to run in that. Uh, Jinto, uh, did he make an impression on you just before we move on from, from Gordon? He did. He, he was very good, I thought. He, he jumped mm. He jumped quite slick for the type of horse that he is. It was very, very strong. Had the racing control from a long way out. Um, Eric Blood actually a little bit disappointing, but Jinto was very, very good and would have taken whacking um, no matter what, I suspect. So he, he looks a very nice one. He's a horse with a big price tag, big reputation. Didn't make a, an immediately strong impression on the race course, but seems to be getting rolling now that he's over jumps. And um, yeah, I'd echo what you said about Gordon as well. Like seven out of eight. This wasn't a, a you know, that's, that's a hard he's thing on to fire, do Kev. Anywhere. He's on fire. But that, mm. this, this, was a, this was like a, you know, out of those seven, there was two graded races, you know, two 50 grand handicaps. Uh, you know, 40 <laughs> to one poke. It took yeah. some going now. It's it's unbelievable. And Kevin, I can, can, I, can go ahead. Can I just quickly ask about Eric Bloodaxe? Because I know you're oh, a yeah. big fan, but like what what's the was that disappointing from him or does what's oh, the yeah. trip idea with him? Or where are we at oh, with him? No, I was very disappointed with him now, to be honest. Um made a mistake at the first. Yeah. Um, jumping may, not as slick as the winners but even at that now I would I would have been hoping for a better show than that so hopefully he can leave it behind him going forward um, trip wise I, I don't know if there was any big message to take from a trip wise um, he just got beat by a better horse on the day um, I'm afraid so on the day being the key word Kev just for our listeners who were making notes of this because I know you were and I was a big fan of him as well in bumpers and obviously he was a long time off the track before he came in the last day uh, one for the notebook here um, potentially like you, you expect yeah, a better show I, next time do you I hope so Hugh but look maybe yeah. maybe he's going to be more of a chaser you know in the fullness of time that's when we might see the very very best of him but look we know okay. you only need to look at his form to know that he's a very good horse um, and you hope that he that he fully delivers on that um, you know whether it's this season or next season I don't know but uh, you can probably tell him a little bit deflated now because I was a bit disappointed with him there yeah, yeah. no I can from your tone 100% and, and uh, right to ask for this actually because I forgot about that um, we'll come back to some uh, Sunday horses in a second as there's a few more on Saturday I want to touch on um, for me and I'm skipping the running horse slightly Constitution Hill TC if you gave me a horse for the Supreme now between John Bond the big talking horse Butter of Duvan Sexy Connections all that and what I saw from Constitution Hill on Saturday I'd be taking the ladder I have to say I thought it was very very good yeah um, when I got home from racing on Saturday um, had a look at the betting had a look at the video again of Constitution Hill because I watched actually watched the race live out the front with, mm-hmm. with Kevin and we were massively impressed visually um First up, um, just seeing the horse just sprint clear. Uh, I rarely, rarely do you see a horse finish like that in the sandal, sand down hurdles track when there's plenty of giving the ground. But mm. he absolutely just sprinted clear. Um, and he was beating a good horse in my eye. Uh, so I got home, watched it again, confirmed my initial impression. Uh, and I backed the horse at eights and sevens for the Supreme. That's my first oh, Cheltenham. That's my first Cheltenham bet. Um, after Kilt Crook uh, got beat today at one to 14. Uh, he's he's now into a short as uh, nine to two and five to one, uh, and like I said, it's actually devilish. I asked Stan Barber to get a provisional time form figure, and they rated him one hundred and forty-two large P. He's uh, got everything going for him. I like I said, I was I very rarely because of my nature, I very rarely get excited about mm. horses and stuff like that. But yeah, he made a massive impression on me. I can't remember the last time a horse. Just, just struck me full in the face uh, like that horse. I thought, I think he'll take a world of beating wherever he goes next. 
Well, listen, I mean, I, I don't want to put people off, TC, but, you know, I do remember this time last year, a certain grey horse of Willie Mullins that you backed for the Supreme Arena but this time uh, that turned out to be an absolute ragbag. So, listen, I'm not saying don't follow you in here. Uh, I, I forget one? the name of the horse, the grey horse. Remember the grey horse that Willie's... Um, I, here, listen, I'll come back to it, I'll come back to it. But you you basically, yeah. you backed him up one week and then he ran them two weeks later, ran his finger, and you basically tore up your dockers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I know, I know. I, I took 33 to 1 about... Yes. What was the name? Um, Grey Horse. Grey Horse. Please. After it, after it finished. Supreme Rich Ritchie Horse. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Come back to it. Come back to it. Come back to it. I remember the one. Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm not oh, saying Constitution Hill is that kind of tie, but Vanessa, if I gave you a choice between John Bond and Constitution Hill based on what you saw on Saturday, I'll go and get the name of that horse now. Who would you take? Did you, were you impressed with Constitution yeah, Hill? Fucking me now. Uh, exactly what Tony said, and I'd definitely be with Constitution Hill over John Bond. I don't think we'll see them race against each other anyway. I think uh, as the season unfolds, they'll end up ending up in different races. Uh, time and time again, because the yard doesn't like to run those types against each other generally, yeah. which is totally N'Golo! N'Golo! Now trained by Anne Duffield. 10 points to Kevin Blake. That's probably, um, judging from her tweets, that's about the only horse she'll have left if she doesn't stop. <laughs> um, she wouldn't be she wouldn't be the biggest uh, believer in covid by the sound by the by some of her uh, posts yeah yeah no i'd i'd stick with constitution hill over john bon uh at this point all the points that tony made and also to add to that and ironically given constitution hill's name the constitution of john bon i know it sounds ridiculous we've only seen him once over hurdles but just a lot of chat about the way he is at home when you look at him physically the you know he's obviously close the relate um being such a relative to Duvan who had this very like light frame and I just and then he's obviously quite a buzzy horse I'm a bit I'd be nervous for him at some of the spring festivals if he yeah. doesn't grow up as he goes whereas mm. Constitution Hill just looked like the ultimate professional yeah. um anyway that's just a little side note five points yeah. five point difference between the two eight to one three to one I, I know who I'd be on um, who's that they're basically four to one John Bond now versus five Constitution Hill if anybody oh, wants a straight match bet uh, they can have John Bon at uh, five to four if they want and he's a bigger price right. Excellent. Okay, price. very good, very good. Um, we should talk about Protectorate as well. Um, sevens from 14s for the Savills and eight to one from 25 to one for the Ryanair. Uh, the Ryanair bet obviously has to be factored against what Alaho did today. But Protectorate, um, uh, Vanessa, what, what was your what thoughts? I mean, obviously hugely popular win as well, but um, would you were you suitably impressed? Yeah, I was. I was suitably impressed. Yeah, I thought... Uh, in the main, I mean, look, you get some of those wide margin wins at Aintree in those sort of conditions. And clearly, I don't mean to use the same like go to saying again, but it does look a bit like the race fell apart just and there's probably quite a lot to pick mm. out of it with the native river angle and then the tiger roll angle as well, which yeah. I think Tony's got in the question. So we'll come to that in time. We'll okay. cover that. But um, just in terms of Protectorat's performance, he kind of got the conditions he probably needs and wants on the day. And then I thought Bridget gave him quite an astute ride to just let him end up using that big stride and bowl on a bit more. And she spoke about that afterwards. She's obviously, you know, uh, in intelligence, used the brain within the race. And uh, I think it just played into his hands very positively, which probably added to such a wide margin victory. Just in terms of him going forwards, I, 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 you know, I, I was impressed with him at the weekend. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. I don't know where he'll end up, and if the Ryanair is that big, I don't know if that'll be his end target. But just, I think if, if it carries on raining, I think he does need that those sort of conditions. But I'd still be with him. I, I like him. I liked his performance. Really? Yeah. Okay, well then we measure we measure that against uh, what we saw today in the John Dirk and Kevin and Alaho. I thought it was interesting the comments from Willie Mullins. He was very concerned straight after the race how much today's race might have taken out of Alaho, given the frenetic pace that they went. Um, but the horse did what he had to do, a kind of a front running from Patrick, and he left some fair horses in behind him. What was your assessment of the race overall, first of all? I'm sure, look, there was a lot to pick through now. There was a lot going on. Um, yeah. like I suppose you have to say, it, it seemed to get lost a small bit in the in the, the post race, but Assyrian for launch was probably going to win, wasn't he? Yeah, um, I think, I think he, looked, he, was. he looked to be 
I think they said. I, do, I, I think they. I think Patrick did say that in his post-race interview. Yeah, and I think yeah. somebody said on Twitter after, if the if there's a horse in racing with a lower IQ than a straight Falange, I've yet to see him. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't. Poor he doesn't help himself. But he's no. always looked like super talented. But obviously, he'd jump in issues and he'd be doing mm. things wrong, and they've kind of changed the way they've, they've been riding them for the last while. And and it just seems if it seemed to be that he was putting it together at the back end the last season, and now that wouldn't happen. That was unfortunate for him, but I don't think we saw the very best of Alaho. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned it as much as I could pre race. I don't really, uh, I, I do think he's better left handed. Uh, we saw why here, you know, Willie actually said after the race, that's the first time he's ever done that. He's been doing that for years, <laughs> you know. He's been, if you're looking back through my notes, like he's constantly, constantly noted them going left. Um, at his obstacles, hurdles and fences going left and right-handed. Like, it's just been a constant thing with him. Um, and he's so good, he can get away with it, um, as he did here. But, like, he was notably left, um, especially in the, in the middle part of the race. And he had to be tough. And Woody's comments, I'd echo that, but were interesting that he, he did seem quite concerned that um, that he had such a tough race, which, to me, reading between the lines, suggests that he thought he, thought he may have left Alho a little bit short um, coming into this because that's when you 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 will really leave a, a bit of a mark on a horse is when they're a little bit short and uh, and they did and they have a gut buster so um it'll be interesting to see where they go next um uh, like they, there's scope there to give them time um prior to his next run if they want you know they could do some some interesting things because they don't really know speaking to willie earlier in the season they don't still don't really know what what you know what path they were going to take he was almost certainly going to end up back in the Ryanair, but you know willie seemed open to trying three miles again and trying two miles again so it'll be fascinating to see what they do if they try and find that mid-range option for him and um, there's a race at ascot obviously but they'd rather go left-handed surely um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him. I'd still have him as you know he's going to be exceptionally hard to beat in the Ryanair if he gets there in any sort of shape at all. Um, and yeah, there, there's loads to pick through in the rest of you. It was Envoy okay, Allen. But, yeah, okay, but let's start with yeah. let's let's start with Envoy Allen, Kevin, okay? Because I you know I know an awful lot of people who were who were on him today, and an awful lot of who were expecting a big run. All the word from Henry's yard was this horse was absolutely flying at home. There was no excuses out here today. Went off seven to four, and he just didn't perform as many people thought or hoped he might what do you read into that is is he is the gloss gone off this horse a bit now considering what happened at Cheltenham what happened against um Monkfish last year when the noise and really fired and now this I mean that's three pretty big blotches on his cars yeah uh, you know I think this there there is some shine gone off him and look we'll wait and see we'll wait until tomorrow and maybe something may emerge in the aftermath but watching the race like he seemed to jump and travel away um and and I dare say just didn't seem good enough and which is entirely a possibility because like, the, you know, he spent his career beating up novices, you know, um, not, he's not the most, it was never the most spectacular horse visually um, in terms of the style of his victories. He's just not that mm-hmm. tight. So you don't know until you put him into a, a race with depth like this. And this was, you know, by a mile, the deepest race he's ever tackled. Uh, and he's come up short. Um, he has, you suppose you have to acknowledge he did have, um, wasn't wasn't it a chip in a joint um, at Punchestown after he was pulled up that required some surgery? So, mm-hmm. you know, there is a possibility that maybe, you know, physically he maybe isn't quite the horse he was as a younger horse. And that's yep. a possibility. Or the other the other theory that you mentioned, he just maybe he wasn't ever a tip topper. He just was made look a tip topper because he was um, beaten up in fear opposition in novice races. Uh, which why you is it's such a pity that our program allows uh, these horses to spend the primes of their careers and um, knocking about there in novice company uh, rather yeah, no, than I, taking I, on the best. TC- yeah, but TC, I, I understand that view today. People are disappointed with this horse, and it's a horse a lot of people latched onto as a potential superstar. So I understand the disappointment, and maybe that's driving it. But this last word on, on this particular race, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he went through unbeaten as a bumper horse, won the Cheltenham bumper, unbeaten as a, as a novice hurdler, won uh, the Ballymore, and, you know, I guess went unbeaten until he went to Cheltenham, had that fall in the marsh last year. Are you prepared to forgive him, or, or do you think, no, this horse is not what he was? He's not the Messiah. He's a naughty, naughty boy. What's your no. view? This is the one race I actually called right this weekend. I had a, I had a pretty dire weekend, but I actually placed Lady Envoy Allen at 1.42 today and I backed Ooh. out of um, When we, just before we recorded Racing Only Better on Friday at Sandown, we got the we got the betting here and we all looked at it and it was like 74 Envoy Allen, 130 Alaho. And we just said, oh, that's just that's just plain wrong. <laughs> uh, we said that in the show and... Well, obviously, the, the prices were accurate, and in fact, Elaho was nearly hit nine to two pre-race 
but yeah, I, I've never really been a believer in Envoy Allen. And um, I was, I have to say, I really was. I really was. Um, yeah. He'd be your type, though, Hugh, in fairness. Yeah, no debt to whatsoever. Liked him when he was short prices, but then when he actually got a back of a price, I deserved just, just before we him. move I on, most things in my life. Yeah, just before, before I collected the question, after I collected the question, we had a, we had uh, another one in, and I said I'll put it to Kev. A guy said before Fakir Duderiz today, he said, Is there a chance he could go down the champion hurdle route? Um, oh, I'd say I'd say extremely unlikely. It looks like he's ready for the try further again to me now. Um, yeah. Didn't jump nearly as well as he can today. Yeah. Um, Alaho going left actually, I, I think certainly put him off at a couple of early fences. But even um, when he got to the other side of Alaho, he's, he's jumping. Yeah. He made his name being a really you know low fast jumper, and he didn't do that today. Um, he looked like he was going to fall out the back of the telly at three out, and he's actually rallied again yeah. and um, and and stayed on again. So today. Day, at least he's shaped like he, he might be worth yeah. to go with a little bit further again but yeah a um, li- yeah. little bit disappointing again i'd have to say yeah okay and just finally the, just finally then before we leave this has santini been renamed because the listener got in touch he's tweeted <laughs> me today the 152 the follow mansion bed on twitter handicapped shays today first number one the boat has santini <laughs> been renamed do we know I tell you what, I tell you, this is quite funny here, right? I'm, I'm having a look at um, I was having a look at Friday's racing because it's not on ITV yeah. for an anti post. And Santani's in there, she's he's now with Polly Gundry. Mm. Come on, Polly. And I was looking she, at the race and I'm thinking of tipping him. She, is she based oh, yeah, on a lake? Oh. Is she based on? Is she based on a lake somewhere? Where's her training? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of water around. Imagine, she, imagine Santini comes back and wins the gold cup. I was gonna, oh, I'd love it. Oh, oh, yeah. I was looking at, and I thought the handicap would have been a bit more kind to me. He's still off a mark of 159. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I think um, you know, I, it's a winnable race. They want to appeal him for that handicap mark. Yeah, and TC, should, should we also be um, should we putting Ronan McNally into our permanent track or any horse he runs now where there's any bit of a contraction? Um, I think, yes, the horse at hunting today, because again, a listener, Pony Express 1979, got in touch with me on Twitter. McNally had a horse over in hunting today. I backed it last night, too, to one and one to two. The horse had nothing but duck and eggs to its form. <laughs> he ran okay the last time. He ran okay. Uh, when he's got entries yeah. everywhere for the next week. So I'd say he's going to have about five one in the next fortnight. I'll tell you what, it's getting to the stage where now. Um, if you're gonna have a bet with him in it, just just go with, without the favourite market. And just yeah, just, just yeah. assume he's going to Barney style. Let's get on to our listener. It's whenever, whenever, whenever you're backing, you, and it's it's quite prevalent with trainer with punters now. They're just packed back in the trainer rather than the horse these days. Uh, right. And yeah. Ronan McNally is a, a classic example. I mean, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's not a great look when the form book absolutely means nothing, is it? But, yeah, you, no, you wouldn't not, you wouldn't have been not. too confident watching the race now. No, no, <laughs> no. But he still well, managed to get him. it done. I didn't back him. I tell you, don't let you back in over here in Dubai. So, right, we'll move on to the questions, guys. So, last 15 minutes on the podcast. So, we'll try and keep our answers as succinct as possible. Um, so, Chris Graham says, do you think that Bryony will move to Ireland permanently with her Mullins link-up? Uh, that's a bit of a double entendre there. Um I don't know, Vanessa. I mean, Bryony moving to Ireland is that beyond the realms of possibility? Obviously, look, obviously, people know now that herself and Patrick are doing a bit of a line. I don't know if that's the hidden secret or not, but that's the case. She was booked to ride today. Um, do you think that she might up sticks and move to Ireland? Is that a possibility? Uh, look, obviously, like you said, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, but I, I doubt it at the moment. Obviously, look, she's going through a tricky time right now, but ultimately, she's number two stable jockey to the best trainer here in the UK. And mm. if she moved over to Ireland, uh, she'd be what sitting sixth or seventh yeah, in Willie's yeah. once once uh, Paul comes back and it's yeah. a bit of a unique you know it's a unique year uh, it, was, it was a unique weekend with Paul not being around and other people picking up the ride so I wouldn't read too much into that uh yeah. you know they're in the young thrusts of love but I I don't think that uh yeah. I don't think she'd be moved well, I don't know maybe she was very quickly on that um mm-hmm. I was chatting to Paul Hayward well-known sports journalist at Sandown yesterday and I actually mm-hmm. said that to him I just said you know if it's if the toxic element of the weighing room with her continues, it may well be, it could well be a possibility. I'm, I'm, I'm told she's over there in Ireland three or four times a week at the moment. Like, you know, like Vanessa said, it's early days in the relationship wise. So that may have something to do with it. But, um, but, and I was also told by somebody else that, you know, female jockeys are, are quite popular over there. So she will get a lot of outside rides and, you know, maybe she can do a Ruby in reverse, but it all depends on how, 
or how it all pans out after the court after the court cases or after yeah. the BHA hearing is uh, is known. But okay, so uh, Alan Stathholm has said uh, should touch upon the fact that three trainers that never use him jocked up Robbie Jones yesterday. A blatant show of support from within racing. Um, some rotten sport it is. On this one, Kevin, you know, I, I think for a lot of people reading the case at the last while, there's only one or two conclusions that you can draw from here. Either the weighing room culture is being misrepresented or the weighing room culture is pretty rotten to the core. And it seems that the groundswell of public opinion is, is focusing on the latter. Is, is that a fair comment? Yeah, look, the, you know, people talk about it, you know, the, the inner sanctum, etc. of the weighing room. And I'd say a lot of people in it haven't enjoyed a light being shone on it in the way it has mm-hmm. in both the Bryony case and the Freddie Tillicky case, um, which you know, we've seen quite a bit of common ground in terms of worrying aspects of, of the weighing room and the way um, they treat each other and etc. And, you know, I've never been at all fond of the, this theory that, you know, self-policing is an appropriate way to do it, as we're often told in, in it, it is in the weighing room, you know, and when we did the interference debate last year, there was a lot of talk about that. And, you know, self-policing is a great situation if you're a senior jockey or a very strong personality Yeah, um, for obvious reasons, you know, just, just to put some, some names, hypothetical names, you know, if you're Davy Russell, we'll say, you know, senior jockey, very strong personality. If Davy Russell gets put through a rail by a young fella, he can go up and pin the young fella to the wall and tell him what's what and tell him not to do it again. And it'll probably work. But what if Davy Russell puts the young fella through the rail? You know, is the young fella going to come in and try and pin Davy Russell to a wall? Of course he is. You know, it's 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 never if been. He's still bound like Mullen, he might with his boxing gloves on. He might be able to sort him out. <laughs> well, you know, it's just it, we, we talk about it all the time. The stewarding is the issue. You know, if the mm. steward, it's a steward's job to police. And if the jockeys are feeling that they should be policing each other, you know, that's totally wrong. And that shouldn't even be an option for it. And that shouldn't be, uh, you know, that sh- they shouldn't be allowed to do it, even if they think that's the right way to do it. That's the job of the yeah. stewards. And it's just, again, a common theme that runs through so much of what we talk about in this podcast. You know, the stewarding quality of the stewarding, uh, the authoritiveness of the stewarding is just a constant, constant feature. And when the, the, the policing falls below the standards that it needs to be, you get situations like this happening where the jockeys take it into their own hands and you can get like, like really inappropriate, unfair um, and unjust situations unfolding as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Just a couple of more on this one. And Paul says, isn't what's going on at the moment showing that racing is a nasty, unsavory, moralist industry ruled by people that are totally unfit for purpose in relation to, I guess, the the, the Barney Frost and Robbie Dunn case. And um, Paul Williams says that uh, Peter Scudamore defending of his son on here on Twitter surely needs a comment. Um, TC, your comment on that? I mean, I know you were pretty uh, taken yeah. aback by what you read. I, in was, regards to those comments. I was seeing it unfolding last night and I was just thinking, mm-hmm. you know, speaking from experience, just, you know, just put your put your drink down and stop typing. Kind of thing. It was, um, I could understand him defending his son and, and, and Tom actually came in as well uh, in the thread as well. Um, it, it was just, it just didn't, didn't sit right the tone of it all but it was it was nothing you know nothing massively untoward it was just yeah. it was just it was just a, it's just a common theme uh about but well, we'll, we'll look we'll know more yeah. next week when yeah. the jockeys come in and talk about robbie you Dunn. can maybe handle this one as well uh, gc sean hill says your thoughts on jim mcgrath giving expert evidence in the freddie jalicki case is that um, a problem I, I whenever i i never really rated jim when he was at channel four but when i've seen him on at the races the sky sports racing to be honest with you i, I think he's come across very well um, whether I'd want him in a court case judging for or against me is another matter altogether. Yeah. But no, I, yeah. as an analyst on, on Sky Sports Racing, I think he's probably one of their best. Paul Romain says, Bryony for Sports Personality of the Year. I've got Emma Raducanu at 50 to 1, but I don't mind losing. Paul, you can sit on that Emma Raducanu at 50 to 1, and you are sitting pretty. Uh, there's no chance <laughs> that Bryony will overtake Emma Raducanu. What Emma Raducanu did is outrageous 50 to 1 fair play you're buying drinks and dinner for us whenever we are over your neck of the woods um skeleton brendan flaherty says copying someone on here uh, in a similar vein but thoughts on skeleton riding duke of forenza in the dash on derby day (laughs) 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 off with your head off you go there good stuff brendan as Stuart ackerster says should bridget andrews ride all skeleton's horses another team right well maybe but i look poor skeleton's got an old tough time and then t if Harry Skelton was a fruit, would he be a tomato or a banana? 
That's from Liam D. Uh, and then could, uh, we, someone he must have been, there must have been teed it up for somebody else because someone said what goes off quicker, a tomato or a banana? <laughs> uh, I, I think that was a collaboration because I, yeah. I wonder where it was going. Then someone answered that's how oh, yeah, I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a couple of questions on Tiger Roll. Maybe you could take this, um, uh, Kevin. Tiger Roll. Ed Johnson says, Why is a dual grand national legend being used as a political toy for the O'Leary's? And Craig says, Panel's thoughts on the sorry side of Tiger Roll going down like a Saturday coupon on an unwinnable race, and who backed him also? Um, do you think what they're doing to Tiger Roll is unfair, or maybe this is all the grand plan to get him back for entry next year and he's going to come and win it? Yeah, sure, look, they have to run the horse, and should they probably made an error. They probably, on reflection, it would admit themselves they made an error over the years of not running him in regulation chases a bit more often. You know, mm-hmm. if they have such an issue with his handicap mark, the way to get it down is to, to run him in chases and show the handicapper that he's not a, a 160, whatever he's on now, horse. And, um, you know, that's what his last two runs is kind of, you know, vividly illustrating. We know that Aintree is a bit different, but, you know, that's if you, if you have a problem with the system, you have to play it. And, then, you know, they're talking about going for the Boyne Hurdle next now. If, you know, I, I'd, be, I'd keep running over fences. You yeah, know? fair enough. Fair enough. And, um, Absolutely. Uh, if, if you're training them for Cheltenham and Aintree, you know, that, that, that'd that be the thing to do. It's not, not, not very kind in the eye of horse that we all um, hold very fondly, etc. But look, he's... And they want to get him back to entry, and this is the way to do it off uh, off, uh, a weight that gives him the best chance to compete. Yeah, and we'll judge them after entry, I think is probably the best thing to say on that. On Constitution Mm. Hill, uh, Craig Ogie says, uh, rumours that Constitution Hill could win the Supreme with John Bowles back. (laughs) Just wondered your thoughts. Uh, Be interested to see if you're covering the sectionals. The second last hurdle um, to the line specifically look quick. Well, I guess we've we've gone through our thoughts on Constitution Hill. I think we're all uh, in agreement, Craig, that he looks a little bit special. If he took the choice of the two, I think we're all uh, in the Constitution Hill uh, camp at the moment. Aaron Casey says, Constitution Hill looks brilliant by the way he sprinted clear. Is he value at 10 to one or eight to one to Supreme compared to John Bonnet Trees. Well, you've missed the boat, Aaron. If you're waiting for our answer, hopefully you got on with Tony Calvin at eight to one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even uh, even now, comparing the price to would you be rather one the other, I'd, I'd definitely take Constitution Hill. Spritz screen clashes. Um, this is obviously something that come up over the weekend. Uh, Brad Maxi says thoughts are reasoning on Racing TV not offering red button on the second channel to avoid the terrible split screen viewing. They push you towards their website and app, but it's clunky, delayed and worse experience than watching TV. And then Robbie says, why is it so hard for races to start on time? The last six races at Navin Sunday clashed. What a joke. Um, Vanessa, it's very frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, it's very frustrating. Obviously, it's kind of two different points there, to be honest with you. The red button thing, it's very expensive is the ultimate answer. Uh, the bottom line, of course, mm. we'd all love a red button and we that would be ideal. And maybe in time, we'll get a red button. Who knows where racing rights and all of that land will lie eventually. But uh, it, yeah, it's very disappointing when you do have a race clash, especially when it's be- because a race hasn't gone off in time. Obviously, more collaboration between England and Ireland. I just don't understand why that doesn't happen so that we'd have less race clashes but it's made even trickier when a race course for what seemingly seems kind of no apparent reason uh ends up up going you know the races end off going sort of two or three minutes late and it sounds nothing but obviously it has such a huge knock-on effect so that's a bit disappointing like can we sharpen yeah. that please no, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Um, Gareth Buncombe says, do you think courses should be doing something about the rampant drugs use going on during meetings? Crowds, not jockeys, just to be clear. I was at entry on Saturday and the queues for the toilets were almost comical. A big Saturday meetings about as unfamily friendly as you can get now. Well, maybe they all had a big I, curry last night, Gareth. I, and they were, yeah, they were just I, I was that. surprised by this comment. Maybe really, they yeah. a week. No, maybe the one I, um, toilet facilities. I'm massively anti-drugs always have been and so I, I don't really I don't really I don't really know what to look for when people are doing it but what I do know is a good friend of mine went to Newbury uh the uh, the Labrooks Trophy meeting and he said mm. it was absolutely comically comically bad really? uh, uh, how, really? how, how how open it was um, okay. I, okay. I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, it is a society and, thing. Look, it is definitely yeah. a society thing. And look, the the demographic that um, race courses, especially in Britain, look to look to attract. You know, young people out for a few drinks, enjoy themselves. Um, unfortunately. Um, it's a reflection of wider society that you're going to get plenty of uh, lads and ladies mm. there that want to indulge in, in illegal yeah. drugs. Um, and you, I suppose you can only do your best to tackle it and hope that they continue to do their best to tackle it. But it's, it's going to be a very hard thing to um, to quash entirely, I, I yeah, dare suspect. Absolutely. I, I, you know, successive governments across every country in the world have tried to stop it. But anyway, look, it's, a, it's another issue, I guess. Guys, we have um, a few more questions to get through. So we're trying to keep the answers 
um, as brief as we can. Uh, Dave Q says, ask Kevin about the ride on Chris's dream. Chris's dream, your thoughts, Kev? Just yeah, it. yeah. There, it was a strange one um, because, uh, you know, a, a few of us fancied Chris's dream and the, the angle I've seen, the, the horse came down to the canal turn. Everyone knows the canal turn, the entry, sharp left turn, um, jumped the fence perfectly fine. But but John Joe Jr. seemed visually, for, from my perspective, to get unbalanced and what you call a very, very soft on seat. Um, I believe TC um, got... Yeah touch with John Joe so I'd be interested to hear this as, yeah, as much as anyone I won't tell you exactly what he said but fair play he, a lot of lot of jockeys when you approach him about a subject like this will probably just say you know no comment or not even respond he said um, he said he was very angry at himself I think that was mm. evident from you know bashing the ground after himself uh, he said he was you know travelling really well um, I think I think it's fair to assume it, it was jockey error, uh, and he's okay. He, he beat himself up about it. So fair play for him to for responding. But I won't I won't go into exact details. But he mm -hmm. blames himself. Okay. I think. Stephen says thoughts on Elliot seven timer at Navin. Good or bad for the sport? Five different jockeys too, and that one was Davy Russell. Great achievements, but it seems like too many good horses are confined to a small pool of stables, which will inevitably mean that they duck and dive one another. I'm not sure you can make the course of Gordon, and you know what? After all, the Chiefly Park horses were taken out and. Um, Simon I think, and horses and whatever. I think, you know, he's going to take as many winners as he can get. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a, you know, it, that, that's an extraordinary day. Seven winners from mm -hmm. eight races on one card. And actually, yeah. I often look at the results day in, day out uh, in over in Ireland. And I always think what variety they have over there. Of course, you're going to see some big stables with lovely horses. That's just the nature of the game. But I wouldn't read too much into just one day him having the monopoly because that's a very, very rare occasion uh, for a yeah. day like that. Yeah, but you, you okay. know, but it is accurate to say, like the last, you know, fifteen years or so, like the 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 disparity there is unbelievable. You know, the, the extent to which Willie and Gordon, um, and now I suppose to to a slightly lesser extent, you know, Henry, the the percentage of the prize money that a couple of trainers make, you know, relative to the rest of the population, like the gaps have just become absolutely gigantic. And I, I'd agree, it's not a particularly healthy thing. How do you stop it? You no, know, I wouldn't be at all be in favor of anything that that restricts someone from getting too big, you know, it's, it's a free market um, ultimately. But um, again, it's, it's probably a systemic thing, isn't it? That uh, allows yeah. such a thing to happen. Start placing yeah. Joseph horse properly and you might get in there, Kev. There's only a, okay, there's guys, only a, small, there's only a small time national. We're just out of time. There's a couple of questions we can save over until next week. Um, a live racing only better at the Dublin Racing Festival. Roland is absolutely a possibility. Protectorate's thoughts on the Gold Cup. We gave you our, our thoughts on his jumping. Um, somebody's saying the Jones programme um, book, as we all know, in England is a waste of time. But does Kev think the Irish programme isn't great either? As Mr. Keenan said, the Dublin Racing Festival has messed up the calendar in respect of January. It's a terrible month for jump racing. It was better before. We'll dive back into that maybe closer to January, uh, David, if that's okay. Um, Tady, again, Vorseboy says, again, Kevin Blake loves the, the, the GB National Hunt racing calendar, but five great races in the UK, all won by different trainers yesterday compared to uh, Gordon Elliott winning seven of eight and Willie Mullins having seven, Willie Mullins having seven of ten. Um, in Ireland, not in really English, sure there's much of the better fans state. getting so defensive, so defensive. Yes, I, yes, I, I never claimed yeah. Ireland was perfect. We have loads of our own problems, but the depth yeah. of horsepower that there is in Ireland just hides those cracks a lot better. But uh, we're far from perfect in Ireland. Yeah, and listen, we're gonna we'll deal with the rest of them before because we have gone way over time. So for Kieran O'Keefe, Ian Brothers, Martin Ryan, Luke Minaj, Paul, Stephen Hum, and Brian McEnany, we'll deal with your questions next week because they're not timeless to this weekend. So we'll do what I'll do. I'll do I'll, for them, I'll, I'll go back and I'll, I'll we'll have a chat and I'll answer them personally. Yeah. And we will. And let's drop someone into next week as well because there's a couple of interesting yeah, questions right. on that. Um, listen, my thanks to, to all of you, to everyone who texted in um, for your questions as always. We appreciate it. To Vanessa, to TC and to Kev. If you're watching this on social media in the video form because we are recording on video and you're thinking the same as I am, the answer is yes. Kevin Blake with his little lacy curtain there is about to start in Basic Instinct 2 and we're going to leave the time to get ready for that. Right, my thanks to all the lads. We'll talk to you next week. Racing only better on Friday. Good luck. Bye-bye. <laughs>